We are in a series called Anthem. We're in the book of Psalms. We've been looking at some of the more memorable Psalms of David. Um, And so uh, we'll get there in a minute. I've got a ton of announcements this morning. Um, And so here's here's the thing. Uh, This is the season where things start getting a little crazy at church. There's stuff going on all the time. If you want to stay connected, um, I want to give you a few ways to do that. One um, is to visit our website, uh, mycornerstone.org. Uh, go to upcoming events. You'll see all the stuff going on. Uh, the second way is uh, our Facebook page. Uh, if you're on Facebook, keep an eye on it, and you'll see things pop up about upcoming events, activities, ways to serve. Uh, the third way is our Church Center app. Um, we don't talk about that a whole lot, but we have an app on the App Store. If you go download it, uh, just search for Church Center. Uh, once you install it, it'll ask you uh, for your name and all that information, what church you go to, you choose Cornerstone and Galax. Once you choose that, it sets you up and you'll get to see uh, our uh, upcoming events, our online, our, our life groups. Uh, you can even do online giving through it, all sorts of stuff on that app. So um, that's a great way to stay connected. And, not, and, and a fourth way, I'll throw this out there, we have an email list that you can sign up for. And things will be emailed to your inbox as we add them on the website. Uh, so you'll get, uh, to, you'll get uh, updates that way. Now, with that being said, I'll just give you a few quick things that are going on. Uh, tonight, we have a youth worship night, so our youth times are a little bit different. It's 6 to 8, and it's 5th uh, grade and up. So 5th through 12th grades, we all meet in the new building, uh, and it's flannels and flapjacks tonight, so we're kicking pancakes. It'll be fun. So uh, if you got a teenager, get them there. It's going to be awesome tonight. Uh, we are serving at the Soup Kitchen Wednesday. Uh, so they're back to serving takeout meals, and we're doing the meal uh, Wednesday. We're doing ham, green beans, mashed potatoes, all that stuff. If you want to bring food or sign up to help, uh, go online to those places I mentioned earlier, and you can do that. Next Sunday, we have a baby dedication. So if you've got a new baby, we invite you to take part in our service next week. So already a bunch signed up. Uh, we have been blessed with so many babies. So uh, that's an awesome way to... Uh, uh, for us as a church to come together and pray for our children. Uh, we've got shoeboxes still, so if you want to take a shoebox, you can. These are empties. Um, we really need them back as soon as possible. We're actually loading up a bunch tonight to take to Boone to the Processing Center uh, later this week. Uh, but if you have some straggling after that, it's all right. We'll get them there. We'll get them um, turned in. We've got several trips to Boone for the Processing Center coming up. You can sign up if you want to take part in that. So it's a really cool way to get involved. So uh, that's going on. Uh, And so one more thing is uh, we have something brand new here at Cornerstone. Uh, We had uh, one of our members come to us a while back and suggested this, and we did some research, and it worked out great. Uh, We have our church devotional books. Uh, We have these over at the information desk. You can pick up one of these. Uh, It starts December 1st. It's a three-month devotional. Uh, short devotions each day, really cool way to, uh, to start your morning. And it's, the, the neat thing about this is it's got information about our church on it, um, on the back and inside the cover. So uh, these are a great way to maybe uh, share with a friend about church or to take to your place of business and set them out for your coworkers uh, or, or just for the public to, to take. So I uh, really encourage you to take advantage of these. They're really good devotions. Um, so... Um, these are over uh, at the information desk, and they're free. Did I mention they're free? You can take some. So anyway, that's cool. So I told you we had a lot of announcements. You didn't believe me. 
A uh, lot of stuff going on. So uh, again, just we encourage you this time of year. I know it's a little bit crazy, but if you get plugged in, start serving. It's a great way to get connected, to meet people, um, and really grow in your faith. So uh, with that being said, we get to jump into our series today. Uh, we've been going through these very memorable Psalms. The first week, uh, we actually talked about how God reveals himself to us and how that demands us to respond. Uh, last week, we talked about what do we do when we really, really, really mess up, when we blow it big time. How do we get our life turned back around? How do we draw close to God? How do we do that through repentance? And so if you missed last week, go back and watch that. This week, we're going to be talking about how do we respond when times are tough. Uh, how do we respond when we go through a crisis, when we're going through a trial, when we really don't know what to do? Um, and so we'll be in, in Psalm 86 today. Um, and so if you got your Bibles, you can flip there. We'll be there in a few minutes. But um, I wanted to mention this. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've always had kind of a love-hate relationship with vending machines. Um, because when you're hungry, um, you you got to have some food. I, I mean, do any of y'all get hangry a little bit when you get hungry? I mean, you're like, you, there, you know, I'm still at that point where I've got to eat at, at pretty set schedules. Um and so um, when I get hungry, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm like, I walk by a vending machine. I'm like, ooh, you know what? That would be really good. I really like, you know, there's M&Ms or potato chips or whatever it is. I'm like, okay. Or, you know, or you go by a drink machine you want to drink. And the, the problem is, how many times do you get like, you're, you get your hopes up? Like, I really want something from this vending machine. You go, you put your coins in, you hit the button, and what happens? Yeah, either a coin comes out or nothing. It just takes your coin and you get no food. Or the third thing is it falls halfway and gets stuck. Okay. And so that's the problem with vending machines. It's like you you get your hopes up. You want something right now and you wait and you wait and nothing happens. Uh, But you, you know, you kind of learn over the years how to be a, a vending machine ninja a little bit. Uh, because if something does get hung or doesn't work, you still want your food. So you got to figure out how to fix it. And so if it gets hung, you know, you can't just go and do a karate chop or kick it. You know, you, you don't want to get kicked out of wherever you're at. So you got to be gentle, right? you gotta got to learn how to massage the vending machine and get your food out. So you, you put your hands up high and act like you're just being real gentle. And then you kind of give it a hip check and like knock it across the room. You, you ever done that? Okay. Uh, you know, that's the problem with vending machines. You just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what to expect. Uh, You don't know if it's going to work or not. But when you get hungry, you get get your hopes up. You want it right now. And that's what vending machines do. They play to our sense of, I need something right this minute. And you're willing to to even pay more for it. Why do I talk about vending machines? You're like, okay, Mike, that's why, why? Well, here's the reality. I think a lot of people, let me spiritualize this, they treat God like a vending machine. It's like we, we hit our problem. We, and you don't go throughout the day thinking about vending machines. Like, oh, man, I, w- I want to find a vending machine today. No, you see it, and, and you're like, that's what I need. And so many people treat God like that. They don't even think about God until they get in a moment where they really need him. Until they get to that point where they're like, I don't know what else to do, but I'm going to try this. So we put our coins in, in the, the supernatural slot and say, God, uh, I need something, and, and so I want it. And we like wait, and then if it doesn't, we don't get exactly what we want. When we want it, we get mad at God and, and, and blame Him for our problems that we're going through. 
But God is not a vending machine. God is not something we just turn to when we need it. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, You know, I, I think when we treat prayer that way, like it's a vending machine, it's almost like it's a form of magic. It's like, okay, let me call on the genie to come magically fix my problem. I want you to read what this pastor shared. He said, Christians believe that prayer is a form of action because we believe that God is real, that God is powerful, and that God hears and answers our prayers. We like to think of prayer as a way to get God to do what we want, but God is not a cosmic vending machine. We do not use prayer as a form of celestial manipulation. Instead, prayer is a means through which we communicate our hearts to God and we surrender to his perfect will. In other words, prayer is a means through which we remind ourselves and God that, that God is God and we are not. That's what prayer does. It's, it's saying, okay, God, you're God and, and I'm not. Prayer is not only a means of asking God to act, it's also a means of asking God to give us opportunities to act. Prayer is the first step, but it's not the final step. We pray as we move into action. And so we don't pray to like twist God's arm to do what, to to make him do what we want him to do. It's not what prayer is. Prayer puts us in a position to be able to recognize what God wants to do. Prayer puts us in a, a situation where we're able to act upon what God is leading us to do. Prayer is a way to communicate with God. And what we see as we look at the Psalms is we see how David, we see how he was, uh, he, he approached God with honesty. He approached God with humility. We, we see him approach God with even joy and thankfulness and, and, and faith. And we just see him pour out his heart to God in a way uh, that he knows God is listening. He knows that God is going to answer him, but he's okay no matter how it turns out. He's trusting that God has a plan. And I love that about David. And so uh, when, we, when we look at this, um, I'll just, just mention, you may be here this morning and you may be in the midst of a big struggle. You may be hurting. You may be worried about your job. This last year and a half has got a lot of people uh, not sure about the future of their company or how it's doing or the future of their job status. You may be worried about that. Maybe you're worried about your retirement. Maybe you're worried about your kids. Maybe you're worried about your health. I don't know what it is that's on your mind, but I can tell you that God sees you and that he cares for you when you are hurting. If you don't take anything else from the sermon this morning, I want you to know that we can trust God with our pain. We can trust Him with the pain. We can trust that He actually cares about us. And that's really what we want to talk about this morning. And so we're going to talk about prayer. How do we come to God in the midst of our pain? How do we talk to Him? How do we, what should we talk about? How, and I know in the New Testament, when Jesus is asked, how do we pray? He responds with the Lord's Prayer. He gives us the model prayer. He kind of lays it out and says, this is the model for how you pray. This is how you pray. Um, we see Paul talk about prayer a lot. And, and so we see uh, in the New Testament, we have a lot of instruction about prayer. But I think sometimes we overlook the Old Testament instruction on prayer. And that's where we want to go today. And so I want to take this passage, Psalm 86, and I want us to look at it. And and there's four key things that I think we can learn about prayer through this this morning. Here's the first, and it's simply this question, 
Why should we pray? Why should we pray? Um, that's a good question, right? I mean, if we, well, the David kind of gives us the answer right here in the psalm, and it's because we have needs that only God can meet. We have needs that only God can meet. That's why we pray. And there's nothing wrong with praying when we need help. Now, I just told you God's not a vending machine. Uh, but the, the, the difference is we need to be talking with God all the time, not just in emergencies. It's not just our spiritual 911. It, it's our spiritual lifeline every day of the week. And so let's pick it up. Psalm 86, verse 1. This is what David says. He says, Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and I trust you. You are my God. So be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. So here's what I want you to notice. This is how David opens up his prayer. He does not minimize his need. He does not say, okay, I know it's not that bad, but... He doesn't say, God, if you have time, will you, you help me out? He doesn't say, I've been pretty good, so uh, can, can you just listen to me this one time? He, he just opens up and he says, I'm in trouble. I need your help. Are we honest like that with God? Are we like really honest enough to say, God, I, I'm in a mess. I'm in trouble. I need your help. And so David, he's a wreck. He is constantly calling out to God, he says, and it's not because he lacks faith. The, the fact is, he just knows that he cannot fix the problem himself. He cannot save himself. I shared first service that sometimes we get into trouble because um, I heard one pa pastor call it this way. He said, uh, we have a problem with practical atheists. People who say they believe in God, but then they don't act like they actually do. All right? I think a lot of people fall in that category. We say we trust God. We say we're gonna, we believe He can fix or do anything or that he can, uh, he can meet our deepest needs. But then we live completely opposite. We live like it's all up to us. We live like we've got to fix our own problems. We live like we don't really need God and we're bothering God, so we just leave Him out of the equation. That's what scares me a little bit. We see right here, we have great needs and we need a great God that can meet those needs. And it's not like God uh, is not big enough or strong enough or powerful enough to fix what we're going through or to fix us in the process. It sounds obvious to say that when we have a problem, we need to pray. But the truth is, right, this, this is what happens so many times. We say, well, I, my, I've tried everything else. I have nothing left to do except to pray. Have you heard people say that? Or maybe you've even said it yourself. There's nothing else to do but pray. There's a problem with that, right? The problem is prayer is not our last resort. Prayer is not where we turn when we run out of every other option. Prayer is the first step into figuring out what to do next. 
So before we start stressing out, before we get anxious, before we get worried, before any of that stuff happens, we take our needs, we take our problems to God, and we trust Him with the result. That's what faith is. That's what faith looks like. And so, uh, you know, we look at this, and and I'm just going to tell you, life is hard sometimes. You're going to go through problems. And, and so when you realize that, you realize that we really do need God, then it, you start understanding, okay, prayer is just my way of communicating with God and talking about what's going on in my life and the good and then the bad. So that leads me to the second point we learn from this. Who do we pray to, right? To whom do we pray? Is This is a big question, like, because people turn in our society today, people look for answers everywhere they can think of. They look to their friends, they look to TV, they look to the internet. Google is not the best place to go to fix every problem you face, okay? So where do we go? We go to the only true God. That's what David says. There's a true God, the only true God. That's where we go. That's where we turn. Uh, Let's pick it up in verse 8. This is what David says. He says, no pagan God is like you, O Lord. And I would just stop right there and say, like, I mean, we, we, we think, okay, he's talking into a culture that worships other gods. And, but in our culture today, we worship a lot of things that we, tr- that we treat like God. We, there are a lot of idols in our life, whether it's money, power, prestige, influence, whatever you throw out there. Um, those, are, are, those are the gods of today. And then what David is saying, those, those don't fix your problem. Those aren't, those aren't worth your time. Uh, he says, none can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. For you are great and you perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. In the Lord's Prayer, we're taught to pray, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is really the same kind of thing here, right? It's acknowledging who God is. It's acknowledging his power. It's acknowledging his holiness. It's acknowledging God is God, we're not. And and it's putting ourselves in a place of surrender under God. And and so seven times in this psalm, David uses the name, and this is unusual in the psalms, he uses a different name for Lord than it's used elsewhere. And he uses the term Adonai. And the reason he does that, right, Adonai emphasizes the Lord's uh, or the God's lordship, his sovereignty. It, it acknowledges his power, his position. And, and so David is really using this term as a, as a way to submit himself under the rule of God. He's using this term, and then that sometimes when we read, we don't even understand or recognize that, that this is significant. He's saying, God, I, I'm placing myself under your rule. That's, that, that's really what lordship is. I'm trusting you. When we say Jesus is the Lord of our life, we're placing ourselves. He is the king and we're servants. We are followers. We're going to do what the king commands. And that's what David is saying here. And as you go through this, uh, this passage, he says, God is good and forgiving. His love is unfailing. He is the only God. He is great and wonderful. We see he's acknowledging the characteristics, the, the attributes of God as he describes God. And, and so uh, I, I read this this week and it said this. It said, this is a prayer for help from a very mature believer. It's especially helpful to read when we feel like we are barely hanging on. 
uh, David's understanding of God resulted in his, in his taking a humble place of submission to his Lord. His confidence during his trial was strong because he knew how great and how loyal God is. Rather than exhibiting panic in the face of danger, David demonstrated peace, confidence, and even joy. Um, and so think about that. I mean, David, this whole point of this psalm, David's not, he's not panicking. He's not stressed out. He's not worried. Even in the midst of his problem, he's just saying, God, this is, I'm in trouble. God, this is who you are. I'm trusting you. I mean, going through life with that type of confidence as peace is rare these days. Because everybody is stressed out. Everybody is worried. Everybody's freaking out about all the things going on in their life. And sometimes we just need to, to, to pull back and say, God, I'm not the one to handle this, but I know you can. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of living. And it should give us great confidence as we pray that we can come to a God that is full of grace, that is full of mercy, that can do far more than we can even imagine. Now, um, I, I, there's, a, there's a guy that's been in the news a lot lately, and um, I don't know if, if you know much about him, but um, I'll share a little bit. But some of y'all know, I, I went to school to be an engineer, so I was always kind of the tech gadget geek guy. Um, and there's a guy now named Elon Musk. Has anybody heard of him? Y'all know who I'm talking about? Okay, just making sure. Um, he's done a few little things, um, like, you know, help start PayPal. Then he jumped in and did Tesla cars, so he kind of runs that. Not only that, he does SpaceX, so he's, you know, doing the rockets, taking people up into space. Uh, not only that, he does the Boring Company, which is building underground tunnels for high-speed cars. Um, not only that, he did flamethrowers a couple of years ago. You could actually go and order a flamethrower. I really wanted one, but it's really hard to explain to my wife why I needed a flamethrower. You know, it would, it's only, I can't remember how, I think it was like $500. It wasn't like crazy expensive. I'm like, man, this would be awesome to have, but I just couldn't justify it. So I don't have one. Um, I mean, he's just kind of an interesting guy because he's doing all this crazy stuff. It's almost like he's a real life Tony Stark, the Iron Man from the Marvel movie. So it's, it's kind of like, that's kind of, he does all this craziness. But I looked up yesterday, just to, and, and this fluctuates a little bit. I wanted to see what his net worth was. Okay. As of yesterday, and it, it changes because stock's up and down, it was $268 billion. Okay. And I know that sounds like a lot, but how much is a billion dollars? Okay. Let's, let's kind of break it down. A million dollars is a lot of money. Would you agree with me? If you had a million dollars, you would feel... Like, okay, you would feel a little more relaxed about being able to pay your bills. I'm just saying, right? A million dollars is a lot. How many million makes one billion? Do you know? It's a thousand. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have asked. A thousand. Somebody raised their hand. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, a thousand million makes one billion. A thousand million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's one billion. So if you have a hundred billion... You tracking with me? How many million is that? It's a hundred thousand million. Start thinking about how big this numbers are getting. How much this is? A hundred thousand million is one is a hundred billion. Now Elon Musk has almost three times that. Three times that. This is crazy, right? If you had a hundred billion dollars, a third of what he has. 
You could buy 3.3 million cars at $30,000 each. That's how much, I mean, just start, just start thinking. If you saved $100,000 every single year, how long would it take you before you saved $100 billion? Takes you 1 million years. Do you start seeing how much money he has? Okay. This is like, it's hard to even comprehend. Uh, There's some videos on YouTube where they use like grains of rice to represent it. It, It'll blow your mind if you watch. I'm just telling you. Um, This is crazy. Like a a house is just like nothing. I mean, just like pocket change um, when you have that much money. Now, put yourself in this position. If you were a good close friend of Elon Musk, you, you knew him, you had a relationship with him, you could call him your friend. Would you feel bad if you really ran into some financial trouble and you needed $100 to pay a medical bill? Would you feel bad calling him up and saying, hey, Elon, buddy, can you help a brother out? I need $100. Would that make you feel guilty to call someone that has that? You tracking with me? Would that, would, that, would that make you feel guilty to call him and ask for $100? I, don't, I mean, I would be like... I need like some uh, hundred dollars. Can you can just throw a little extra on there too, maybe just to help out. I mean, you wouldn't feel bad because he wouldn't even notice it. It would be like a penny. It'd be less than that for him to give you. And, and why do I share that? Because the God of the universe that created everything and everything in it wants to bless us. He is there for us. He says, you have not because you ask not. And I'm not talking finances. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about mercy. I'm talking about meeting our deepest needs that go far beyond money. And we're afraid to ask. We feel like we're bothering him. Do you realize how ludicrous that sounds when you realize who God really is and how much he has? Do you, you, you understand that he is there? He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to come to him when we have needs, when we're anxious, when we're worried. We are not bothering God. And so I just share all that just to say, man, just come to your gracious, loving father with your needs. He can forgive you. If, if you are, and we talked about that last week, when we blow it, when we mess up, he is ready to forgive you. He is there. And, and so uh, we just need to learn to pray because we have great needs, but we have an even greater God that can meet those needs. And so that's who we pray to. We pray to the one true God that can meet every single need. But how should we pray? That's the next one. How do we pray? How should we pray? Well, we pray in faith with thankfulness and humility. We pray in faith with thankfulness and humility. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I, so that I may honor you. With all of my heart, I will praise you, O Lord my God. I will give glory to your name forever, for your, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. When we read this, man, you see this throughout the entire psalm. You just feel like David is close to God. We feel like he is, you just, it just, you see that he's talking to a friend. You see that he knew God intimately and personally. So he's willing to pour out his heart to God. 
And so what we see here is David is not praying like, I don't know if you hear me or not. I don't know if you're out there. Um, God, I'm desperate. I don't have another choice. He's just saying, God, I know who you are. I know what you've done. And I know uh, what you can do. He's praying in faith. And so he's wanting to grow closer to God. He's wanting to li- he wants to live according to the truth. He's just showing how much he trusts God. He wants deliverance from his problem, but he knows God can do it, and he's thankful about it. You see, I think if we're not careful, we just start turning God into, okay, God, that vending machine, here's my request. I'm going to start throwing this up here. And before long, we have an entire list of our things that we want God to do for us. It's a self-centered way of praying where we think it's all about us and not about him. David says here, I'm going to give glory to your name, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me. I'm going to praise you with all of my heart. I'm going to thank you. He's praying with thankfulness and with humility. In the New Testament, Paul, when he talks about prayer, this is how Paul describes how we should pray. Paul says, always be joyful, Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Always keep praying. Keep, just keep praying this spirit of prayer, no matter what you're doing. Be thankful in every circumstance. I don't know about you. I mean, this is convicting stuff because this is not how we always live. We don't always live like we believe what we just read. And and so when Paul says this, when David says this, what we are learning is we can't give thanks to God unless we're humble enough to see how God is good and how he is working for good in our life. He's working in our problems and our trials, even when we don't realize it. I want you to think about something, too. David is king, right? David is the king over Israel. Um, he's the guy that's supposed to have it all together. You want your leader to be strong and composed. And you want, we look up to people who, um, you know, who have their act together, so to speak. Here is David as the king. He's got a reputation to protect. He has an image to project. He, he wants everybody to know who he is, right? But yet he is humble enough to pour out his heart and say, I'm a mess. I'm in trouble. I, don't, I, I, I need your help, God. And God, you are far greater than me. I mean, that's in essence, that's, that's humility. That's what David, that's an example to us that no matter who we are, we are never too big. We never outgrow. We never get to a position where we don't need God. And David, he is just showing here, he's demonstrating that in his prayer. It's not about me. It's about keeping his focus on the power of God. He's got faith that God's going to bring him through. He doesn't know how, but he's thankful for what God has already done. And he's trusting and he's humble enough to admit that he needs God's help. And that brings me to my fourth point, the final one today, for what do we pray? What are we praying for? Well, what we see here, David is praying throughout this psalm for salvation, for deliverance, right? And for joy through his trials. That's really what he's praying for. He's praying for salvation. He's praying for joy through his trials. Let's keep going. Verse 14. 
He says, oh God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them. The message shares it this way. He says, God, these bullies have reared their heads. A gang of thugs is after me, and they don't care a thing about you. I like that. Like, there's people trying to kill me, and yet here I am taking time to pour out my heart to God. Verse 15, but you, O Lord, you are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Look down and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant. Save me, the son of your servant. Send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O Lord, help and comfort me. So we don't know, again, the, the circumstances around this psalm. We don't know at what point he's talking about when he's running and being pursued by these bullies that are trying to kill him. Um, but David was in a tough spot. People, we don't really know what that's like, right? We don't know what it's like having someone trying to kill you. Or if you do, you have a pretty cool story and I want to hear it, okay? But most of us have not been in that situation where people are chasing you, trying to kill you. Um, but we all have suffered. We've all gone through hardship. We've all gone through tough times. We've all found ourselves in that tough spot that David, as, that, that David is in. The Psalms were the psalm book for the Israelites um, that helped them as they went through their journey. And, and as you read their history, you see their ups and their down. We see when they struggled. And this was the book that gave them hope that God would still deliver them that God still cared about them, that God had not forgotten about them. And so this psalm, it's a songbook of hope that God is present with us in our troubles. No matter what's happening around us, he's still there. And David is reminding us that we can be joyful even in the midst of all this craziness. Um, I'm amazed when I look at them in the New Testament at the book of Philippians. And we've talked about Philippians a lot before, but Paul was in prison in chains, and he takes time to, to, to write letters to various churches, the, the prison epistles as we call them. And he's writing these letters to the different churches, and he writes to the, the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi, he's like, okay, guys, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be worried. Present your request to God and and the peace of God that transcends all understanding, it's going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable. You know, think about these things. That's what you focus on. That's what you pray about. It's a whole book about joy. It's a whole book about contentment. And yet he's writing it from the midst of being in chains in prison. In, in prison. And, and I think this is the key in, in, in Philippians 4.11. He says this, and and I think this is what we miss. He says, not that I ever was in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. His secret to joy was his contentment. His secret to joy was it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter how much I have. Because right after this verse is the, is the famous, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, but again, the context is I've been rich and I've been poor. It doesn't matter about stuff. I know God is enough. I know God is enough to get me through my problem. And so I would just challenge you a little bit, right? 
fear and pain and struggles, they are common. We're all going to face it, but God provides comfort and God can care and God really cares about us. I said earlier, we can trust God with our pain. We can trust him. He cares about us. And David, as we see through this really famous psalm, we see him pour his heart out to God, but it's all about God. I'm trusting you. I want you to deliver me. He talks about deliverance. I want you to save me. And in this context, David is talking about being delivered from the trial that he's facing, from the enemies that are pursuing him. But if we could step back a little bit, we're praying for the same thing. We need deliverance. We need, we, we need salvation. And it starts with being delivered from our sin that has separated us from God. And so that's really the first step of the, the, the Christian walk. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not surrendered yourself and made him the Lord of your life, then that's the first step. Before we get, You can try all you want to be a good person, but you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to do enough. You're never going to achieve enough. You're never going to give enough. It's all about surrendering ourselves and acknowledging who God really is, that he is the Lord, the one true God. And when we do that, that's when we can start living this out and putting it into practice. Jesus didn't come to save good people. He came to save lost people, people who have sinned, people who were separated from God. And so I just want to close us with this verse out of Ephesians that Paul shares with us. And and again, going back, do you realize how good and merciful and, and, and caring and loving that God really is? Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an incredible verse. He is there. He wants to answer your prayers. And it may not, he may not answer them the way we want. Sometimes uh, he delivers us through the trial we're in, not out of it. Sometimes he changes us as he, instead of changing the situation around us. But however God works it out, he is at work in your life and he is working it out for the good, even when we can't understand or see it. And so I just want to challenge you a little bit this morning. Do you really live uh, like you truly have faith and trust in Jesus to meet every need in your life? Or are you trying to figure things out on your own? That's really, the, that's really the, the question that we all struggle with. Do we really trust Jesus? I'm going to pray and, and the, the praise team is going to come back up. Heavenly Father, We are so thankful for this morning. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your son, Jesus. And as we study the Psalms, we see how dependent upon you that we really, truly are. So this morning, Lord, our prayers that we would surrender, that we would submit, that we would yield to you and and truly make you the Lord of our life. And for those in the room, those that are watching online that are believers, uh, let's Quit trying to fix everything on our own and let's be dependent upon God to work in us and through us through every situation. But for those who are listening online, those who are here that would say, I'm still trying to do this my own way. 
I've never really trusted Jesus. I really don't know what all this Jesus stuff is about. I don't understand what being saved or uh, being born again is. Would today be that day that you take that first step of faith? And salvation is simply acknowledging who Jesus is, what he has done, why he came, and how he can change your life. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus to save us, he changes our heart. He gives us a new purpose. He gives us a new direction. The Bible says when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? It means that we put ourselves in submission under Jesus, that he's the master of our life. He's the ruler that what he says we're going to do. And we believe in our heart, God, that you raised him from the dead. That, That just means that we understand what Jesus did on the cross for us. He went on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to pay the price that we could never pay. And then when he rose from the grave, it allows us to have eternal life with God the Father forever. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that. We thankful, we're thankful for how good and loving and merciful and, and just how full of grace you are. And so this morning, we just come to you with every problem, every trial, every heartache, everything that we're going through, we lay it at the feet of Jesus, knowing that you can meet every single need. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.